And though the billows are raging and we're tossed to and fro, there is peace beneath its flow. And my hope of the precious Lamb of God, there is no other fountain so sweet. It has washed away my sin and gave me peace and joy within. And my hope is anchored in his blood. And only one thing will matter when the time has come to die. But the joy of knowing Jesus will banish all my fears. For he took away destiny. And my hope of the precious Lamb of God, there is no so sweet it has washed away my sin and gave me peace and joy within and my hope is anchored in his blood it has washed away my sin and gave me peace and joy within. And my hope is anchored in his blood. Shout! 
how many's got your Bible turned to Psalm 33? Uh, now, how many's got your finger pointed to verse number 12? That's where we're going to be. Let's read it. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people, turn my page too soon, and the people whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. Our Father, we come to You again. We ask that You would touch us today. We pray that You would guide our heart, our thoughts. You know the kind of the direction that my heart is in. And so we pray that You'd allow us just to preach Your Word and allow us to preach Your opinions and not my own. God, we pray that You'd help this, Your people today. Lord, bless those that may be watching Lord, those that may watch at a later time, we pray that you touch them. God, but right now, those that are here with us today, God, I pray that you would challenge us and convict us and chasten us to do the things that you would have us to do. We thank you, Father, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach on this thought today. Can God bless America again? Can God bless America? Again, I want to read our text verse again, especially the very first part. We're going to read the whole thing, but I want you to see this. He says, blessed or blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I remember several years ago, I guess probably 2009 or so. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but uh, it was uh, uh, Barack Obama's inaugural address. And uh, I remember standing in the break room of the company that I worked for. And in that building, uh, people gasped at a statement that he said. And it is etched in my mind. He said, America is no longer a Christian nation. And he went on to say that it is a nation of Muslims and a nation of boot a nation, uh, and he began to name a bunch of other faiths or whatever you may want to call them. And I sat there in a room, no doubt, probably full of unbelievers, and I thought, what a statement for a president of the United States to make on national, international television, one statement that would completely cloud the attitude of America for years to come. And uh, it is at that point in my life that I've heard other people say the same thing, that America is not a Christian nation any longer. And I will admit today, as I've already said, I love America and always will, but I will admit today that I understand that there are less Christ born-again, y'all help me right here, born-again Christians today. Uh, there are Christians that are not Catholic there are Christians that are not Muslim. There are Christians that are not Buddhist. There are Christians that are not some other faith. But I'm talking about born-again Bible believers, saved by the blood of the Lamb. And, and those are the folks I'm talking about. There are less of, the, there are less of us, if you will, uh, than, than in quite a few years because 
People have stopped on God. People have stopped witnessing. People have stopped trying to tell uh, the old, old story of the Savior. And uh, the, the, the statement that Barack Obama made that America is no longer a Christian nation, I believe it for my, for myself, it was a very polarizing statement, but it made me take stock in who I am as a, an American Christian. And it makes me wonder today, because of that statement and many other statements that have been made, uh, does God sit on the throne of all heaven and uh, wonder, will He ever bless America again? I don't see America in in the book of the Revelation. I don't see, and I'm not a prophecy person, but I don't see that. I've never heard those things. And, and so I'm not so concerned about decades and, and centuries beyond. I'm talking about right now. And I wonder today, can God bless America again. I've made the statement that I wish that God would give us a revival in America. And I believe that God can give a revival in or within America. But I question whether or not revival will or America will ever experience revival. As a whole, I don't know that this country will ever get to that place again. But I believe that we can find revival in our country. But we as the people of God must do something about it. He says in our text, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And so, uh, by way of introduction, I want to give you just a several quick hopefully quick thoughts, and then give you the message today. But now you understand where I am, kind of where my mind is. Our country was founded upon a foundation of words like, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is from our Declaration of Independence. It speaks of the Creator. Then um, Benjamin Franklin wrote in the Constitutional Convention, he said, The longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs the, the affairs of men. In um, George Washington's circular to the chief executives of the states, that's a letter that was was uh, distributed. He says, "Dispose us all to do justice." This was a prayer. Dispose us all to do justice, to love mercy, and to demean ourselves with that charity, humility, and using this word correctly, and pacific temper, temper of mind, which were the characteristics of the divine author of our blessed religion, and without an humble imitation of those of whose example in these things we can never hope to be happy without. And so I use these three quotes from these important historical documents to know that these men had a sense of who God was. These men were not perfect, understand that. But they had a sense to know who God was. And though our Constitution never uses the word God or Creator or heaven or hell, it is still based upon a biblical principle of freedom. 
And if we look at some of our national songs, Brother David sang one this morning, Miss Tanya played uh, this morning, but we think about God bless America. We look at America the beautiful, and it says, God shed His grace on thee. What about the song America, very end of that line? It says, protect us by thy might, great God our King. So we have a godly heritage in the United States of America. And tomorrow, this whole weekend, people have been celebrating the independence of the United States. But I believe that it is time that we begin to plead to God on behalf of our nation. We pray for our family and we pray for our friends and and those acquaintances and that's well and good. We may pray for our share, for our our city council, our our mayor and that's well and good. And we, But we sit back oftentimes and we ridicule and we think about our president and, and all of the folks involved in the government but I wonder more so than that do we pray for our nation are we truly asking God to do a work in our nation it's time that we begin to plead. Why should we plead? Well, just let's just notice this. Uh, in the last week and a half or two weeks, there have been protests on the overturning of Roe versus Wade. I went through social media against my my own desires because it seems as though every time I get on there, there's something about it. So I began to look at all of the protest signs, and some were too vulgar to even read, and some were too vulgar to say in mixed company, uh, but there were quite a few that were too vulgar to mention in the pulpit of a holy God. Amen? But here's a few of them. It says, abortion, free and on demand now. They want abortion to be free and on demand now. Another one, God killed His Son, why can't I? So I, I, I saw this, Brother David, and I thought, that is an admission of guilt. You are killing a child, but you're blaming it, your example on God. My soul, what has this country come to? What has the people come to in this country that God killed His Son, why can't I? Do they not understand that God did not kill His Son, but God gave His Son and His Son freely laid down His life for that person that wants to take another life in their hands? He laid His life down to save them, to give them life, not to take away life. Another sign was forced motherhood is female enslavement. I giggled. I'm not going to lie. I giggled just a little bit. I may say something about that one here in just a minute. I am too old to be taken serious, but old enough to be forced into motherhood. I'm going to say something. I'm going to be just as quick as I can. I understand that motherhood may be forced upon a female based on some outside influence, some rape or something along the... Understand where I'm at this morning. But I would venture a thought today that the majority of abortions that these women are having, a majority of the women that are placing signs like this over their head and they're ranting and they're raving and they're they're having what's called die-outs on 
court steps because they feel like their rights have been exposed and, and done away with. But I want you to know that, that there isn't a majority of these women that were not harmed. They had a choice in the matter of conception. And uh, if you look at these women, you see how that they uh, present themselves and how they are dressed and, and the vulgarity of these women. And you wonder, my goodness, why would God ever give them a child to begin with? But then my ha- my my mind has to wonder today, these women that are saying that they are being forced into motherhood, there is a simple, there is a simple fix for it. Flee fornication. Abstain from all appearance of evil. We're having a good time on this 4th of July weekend, ain't we? Forced motherhood is female enslavement. Mm. Let's move on. We need to pray for our country because there is a celebration of sodomy. In 1999, Bill Clinton, wasn't he a blessing? Bill Clinton was the first one to declare June as Pride Month. He he called it Gay Pride Month. And then in uh, 2009 and all of his subsequent years in office, Barack Obama accepted June as Pride Month. I hate to tell you, but our beloved Donald Trump also accepted Pride Month. In 2019, he, he on Twitter declared it as Pride Month. Joe Biden, our current president, has made an official declaration in 2021 that June will be called Pride Month. Colleges, secular colleges, that um, are not in session during the summer, so they cannot therefore celebrate Pride Month in June, they do it in April. You can look this up. I got it wrote down. You can look it up. So instead, they celebrate it in April, Brother Jody, and they call it Gapril. I think I heard somebody say nice. I'll say amen. There is an acceptance. We're, we're talking about can God bless America again. That's where we're at. I'm, I'm going to preach here in just a little bit. I'm trying not to piddle too much. I'm trying to give you what what's on my heart. From the 1960s into the 1970s, there was a sexual revolution. Had large parties like Woodstock and others. From the 1980s into the 1990s, there was a homosexual revolution. That's when it was... It was very much pressed. It was in sports. It was in our schools. And I could remember going to public school in the 80s and the 90s. And I remember some of these things even being mentioned in uh, um, social studies and in science classes. In the 2000s into the 2010, there was a bisexual revolution. Now, from 2010 into the present, there is a transsexual revolution. And it makes me wonder, what is next? Once we get to the point where 
all of these ads of men becoming women and women becoming men and all of this filth and garbage, once that is socially accepted to the point where there's no more stigma in society, what will be next? Will it be bestiality? Will that be the next thing that we are to accept? Will it be pedophilia? Is that the next thing that society will press upon us so that we must conform to what they have? I believe the Bible. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so as we're looking at the news and, and you're listening to these statistics and these notations today, you may say, what are we going to do? I want you to know today that there is a God in heaven that is against it all and He is for His people. Amen? So, can God, will God, there's two different questions there, bless America again. America again. Will He answer the prayers of these patriotic hymns of God bless America? God shed Your grace on Thee. Protect us by Thy might, great God our King. It depends on the conscience and the conduct of the nation. But I'm not addressing the nation on this July 3rd. I'm addressing Lighthouse Baptist Church. And so I must say today that, that the dependence upon God is in direct correlation to our conduct as a body of believers. And if we want God to bless America, we ourselves must begin to act like we're worthy of a blessing. Proverbs 14 verse 34, Righteousness exalteth a nation but sin is a reproach to any people. Number one, if we want God to bless America, if we want God to truly give us a revival, this revival must be born in prayer. In Second Chronicles, Chapter number 7, I preached some time back that, and I, I, I'm not backing up on what I preached, but Second Chronicles was not for America. It was for the people of God in their day. It was for a reason. So I don't neglect that. It's not lost on me. But I believe that we can glean some some things from God's instruction to Israel here. We need a revival born in prayer. Notice Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I want us to notice in reference to some things that I said in the introduction, there is no word of pride in this verse. Matter of fact, he says, humble themselves. There, instead of pride, there is humility. There's no mention of riots. There's no mention of protests. But what we see here 
He said that we should humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways. We've got enough programs in our nation and even in our churches sometimes. We've figured out uh, strategies. We've figured out uh, what works and, and what planning does. But we've forgotten what what has been proven that prayer does. Prayer will change some things. We sing the song, It's Amazing What a Prayer Can Do. And that first verse talks about over there, Hezekiah got a letter from Sennacherib. And Sennacherib said, Hey big boy, I'm coming and I'm going to defeat you. And Hezekiah laid the letter out before God and prayed about it. God God sent one angel and he killed everybody, took care of the problem. Hey, it is amazing what a prayer can do. Uh, we've seen folks healed from from cancers and from diseases. We've fo- seen folks that are at death's door uh, be raised up. Uh, we've seen souls that were derelict and there was no hope, uh, but yet they've been shown hope and mercy and grace and love and they're saved by the grace of God. They're sitting in church pews all across uh, the country uh, because of the miracle of prayer. And we're wandering around and we're, we're looking at how wicked our world is and we're wringing our hands. But I want you to know that there is a holy God that demands a holy people. And if we are going to have revival, if God is going to bless this country again, we must pray. If we look at our example of the early church, we see in Acts chapter number 1, verse number 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with His brethren. They prayed in one accord. In Acts chapter number 4, verse number 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which were uh, which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. Listen to this. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. How do you think that happened? It started with prayer. How do we get to Acts chapter number 8, verse number 8? And there was great joy in that city. It started with prayer. It started with someone praying. If we look at the historical revivals that we have all heard about, it started with prayer. If we look even in our even in in our church's history, I believe it was what 1988 that was a several week long revival and God blessed and moved. <coughs> it started with prayer. Somebody got a hold of God. This morning, if God is going to bless, God's people are going to have to pray. Number two. If God's going to bless America again, we need a revival that brings holy living. Look at our our verse in Chronicles. He says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven 
and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We need to know that God is talking to His people. I realize that this is an Old Testament verse. And I realize that He's talking about the nation of Israel. But if we can glean this from, from their example, from God's example here, if the people of God want America to change, then the people of God are going to start living a holy life unto God. We're going to have to, he says, humble ourselves and pray and seek his face. But he says that he uses the, the terms. He said, my people, they're called by my name. He says that they shall humble themselves. They shall seek his face, but they should turn from their wicked way. He didn't say pray that the Philistines would get right with God. He didn't say, hey, y'all pray for the Amorites and the Moabites and all the other kind of ites. He said, y'all pray for yourselves. Turn from your wicked ways. You said, well, preacher, you've been awful mean today. I, I, I hate that I, I, I need to be, but I'm afraid today that every one of us have got some things hidden in our lives that we must repent of. We must go around and we must turn over every stone and we must lift up every rock and we must see if there's something within our hearts. He said, turn from your wicked ways. That means there was something in their hearts. It reminds us of Joshua and Achan. There was sin in the camp and everything happened to the whole people because of one man's sin. And if we want America to be blessed again, the church as a whole, but I'm talking the lighthouse, the church as a whole must begin holy living. I don't want to divulge anything, but I told yesterday that a man that I know that makes certain professions in his Christian life was seen over the several days Drinking alcohol. Now y'all gonna get mad at me if I talk about social drinking for a minute? Lump it if you got to. <clears throat> Put it in your back pocket, suck on it when you get home. You say, well, I, I don't see anything in scripture that talks about social drinking. I don't see anything in scripture that 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 damns drinking as a whole. And, and you bring up things, well, little wine's good. I made the illustration, and I don't have a cup and I don't have any water, but I made the illustration. Scripture said, said, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Okay? I'm not perfect. Y'all know that. Make no no claims to be. But if we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and I, I used a cup and I poured it all the way to the top, and then I kept pouring until it crested the brim of the glass or the cup. And then with one other drop, it began to spill out. Miss Deborah, that means there was no more room for anything. He said, be filled with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. So if we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we go backwards and he says, be not drunk with wine then there should be, if we're doing what God's told us to do and being filled with the Holy Spirit, then there should be no more room for any other, I'm going to use a pun, 
any other spirits come on. Any other drink, any other alcohol, any other drug, any other thing that transforms our bodies. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be dead honest with you. If I go, one, I'm going to knock you out in Jesus' name. If I go somewhere and I see you with your hand wrapped around a glass bottle and it says Corona, especially if it says Corona, especially right now, I'm going to beat you with it. Wish they could have picked another name or something. But if I see you drinking, we we going to have problems. There ain't going to be no, oh, I'm going to let you slide. We're going to have problems. And here's why. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's not a one and done. That's every night. That's every day. That's behind closed doors. That's in public. That's more than a glass of wine. That's more than a little, I don't even know what they're called, one of them little fancy glasses with umbrella, whatever they're called, margaritas or something. It's all the time. As far as I'm concerned, you are an alcoholic. You are a drunk. And you have, I'm not saying you don't have a place in the church. That's not what I'm saying. But there is a place in the church that you must be first and foremost, and that's in this altar. Getting it right with God. Are we having fun yet? If we want America to start living holy, the church is going to have to. I, I'm I'm guilty about. I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of it. If if I if I hear something over and over, I will begin to imitate it. It's just it's a character flaw. Uh, Lori gets on to me because I say, that's right, that's right, that's right. Didn't say that until I got around Brother Dave and Brother Jim. And, and he's like, is the sky blue? That's right. Is it purple carpet? Is the carpet purple? Whatever color this is, is it right? That's right. And, and, and I just pick those things up. But if we ain't careful and we get to hanging around folks that use foul language, those things will creep into our hearts. And we'll turn them over to Christian things. And we'll start saying, and I'm, I'm going to be very careful but we'll start saying freaking and we'll start saying and other forms of that and we'll start using other Christian words and, and we get guilty of those things, but it's so close to the real thing. Sometimes we're mad when we say it. May as well just say the whole thing and ask God for forgiveness. We're walking around and we're doing the things that the world does, but we're just doing it a little cleaner than the world. The problem is, we're getting just as dirty as they are. He said, "He said you're my people. You're called by my name. You need to humble yourself. You need to pray. You need to seek my face. But you need to turn from your wicked ways. Do you want America to be blessed again? Woo! Yes, let's do it. Fireworks everywhere. Hallelujah. Church has got to get right too. Boy, we having a good time. I'm about done. This ain't going to be no hour long one like last Sunday. Somebody say amen or hallelujah, whatever. America has become a land of immorality and broken homes. It's a land of violence and lack of respect for life. But if the church can return to righteousness, again, I stress, if the church will return to righteousness, 
It could be that God might bless America again. The line between the church and the world needs to be clear again. It's so vague because of a lack of preaching. This line has become so vague because of a lack of standards. The sands of compromise are now covered. The, the line between the church and the world. The church must stand for holiness. Several years ago I preached a message crossing the line or drawing a line. And I don't remember if I did it here, but I did it somewhere and I put a piece of blue painter's tape across the church. There was a visible, physical line that I dared the church to cross. I dared the church to say, you know what? My family is is going south, I'm going to cross the line and get on God's side. I got lost folks in my family and they need the Lord. I'm going to cross the line and get on God's side and pray and seek them. I've got some things in my life that need to be gone. I'm going to give it up by the grace of God and trust in Him and in His strength. And I'm going to cross the line and give it to God. That's what the church has to do. But there has to be a visible line between the world and the church. Number three, we need a revival that ends in evangelism. He says, He will forgive their sin and heal their land. Every revival has brought sinners to Christ. But in in my 30 years of being a Christian, every revival that I've been a part of we used to have two-week revival and then week revivals, and, and now we do maybe three-day revivals or something like that. But in every revival that I've been a part of, not preaching necessarily, but just been a part of, especially those, Brother David, that were two weeks and a week long, seemed like the first two or three days was getting the church right. But then by Wednesday night, something happened. And the church was right, and then all of a sudden the sinners that were there started getting their hearts right. A problem that we have now today when we, when we do have revivals or whatever is there's no sinners in the church. Because we're not bringing sinners into the church. It's full of church members. It's full of professing Christians. And, and that's wonderful. That's well... I believe a revival should be for Christians to be truly revived, Brother Kurt. But at any given Sunday, there ought to be a sinner in church. And there could be. In a house full of professing Christians, there could be somebody that needs to be saved today. And if we want America to be saved, we're going to have to do business with the Lord and start trying to reach America one person at a time. One soul at a time. We need to start preaching the cross. The resurrection. The soon coming King. We do need to preach on holiness and righteous living. We need to preach on hell. I remember Brother Doug Thompson 
He preached the scariest hell, scariest message on hell I've ever heard. Down at Homosassa Springs, Florida, Brother Wiley Wooten was the pastor, and th- this fool turned out on the invitation, he turned all the lights out. He just preached on hell, and I was about 12 years old, and I wasn't scared of the dark, but I was scared of that dark. If I'm not mistaken, I was saved, and I knew I was, but I was really thinking about getting saved all over again that night. He preached on hell. It was so real. I mean, hell was real. We don't have that anymore. Myself included. We don't preach on hell like we used to. I told you about Ronald Reagan Jr. Makes a public profession that he is an unabashed atheist. I can't remember exact words, but pretty much he said, I'm going to hell and I'm happy about it. That's where society is. Even people that aren't atheists, they say, well, hell's just what I'm living in now. No, no, it's not. I'd love to be able to see the altars filled with sinners seeking the Lord again. Can revival, can blessing come to America? Well, I kind of have a question. Why not? Why not? Why can't revival come to America? The Lord's not changed. His Word's not changed. Again, I'll stand here and confess, I don't believe that as a whole, America will ever do much turning to God. Sumter County might. Webster County, Sly County, Taylor County, Worth County, Crisp County. How do you say it? Doherty County. I'll get it out in a minute. They might can turn back to God. We might can get Georgia to turn back to God. But it's going to start right here. It's going to start at 817 U.S. Highway 280 West, Plains, Georgia 31780. It's going to start right here. If we want America to turn, we've got to. There's a whole lot of maybes. It might start with this. It might start with that. But it must start with you today. I want us to come with a song of invitation. and be just as I am. We'll be just fine, Brother David. If the Lord's dealt with your heart, maybe, maybe you've fallen into these places. Maybe maybe God's dealt with you about holy living. Maybe God's dealt with you about trying to reach somebody in evangelism. Maybe maybe somebody maybe God's dealt with you about getting saved. I don't know. Maybe God's burdened your heart today about prayer and truly praying for our country. I'll say this and y'all know sometimes I have a critical spirit. And sometimes I get a little sideways and I'll kind of I don't mean to be mean but I'll make fun of somebody and I I don't really understand all there is to know about what's going on in President Joe Biden's mind but before he ever was voted in as president people were making fun of him and all this kind of stuff 
And I hear Christians making fun of how silly he is and how he messes up his words and how he slurs and fell off a bicycle the other day. Well, honey, if I was 112, I'd fall off a bicycle too. And I'm not criticizing too much about things that are said. Everybody has their own opinions. But I just, I just kind of make this statement. What if it was your 80-something year old granddaddy? Would you be making fun of him? Does Joe Biden need prayer? Yes, yes he does. Is Joe Biden in there because he won the vote? I don't know. But he's in there because God put him in there. No matter if we like it or not. God raised him up for that. And God's got a reason. So instead of ridiculing that we pray. Can one man in the White House change things? The current condition of our country, it's highly doubtful. But I believe one prayer can change things. Let's pray. Father, we ask you that you take us into your care today. God, we live in the best country in this world. We have freedoms, liberties. God, we have rights and privileges. God, you've blessed us truly throughout the years. But God, our nation is in a, in a fix. Our nation needs you. And God, I don't know of any other way to start to ask you to bless our nation than to ask you to help myself, James Burke. Lord, if there's anything that needs to change in me, God, I pray you'll help me. Lord, reveal it to me and change me. And Lord, I feel like if the church can begin to say, God, change me, then our counties and our states and our regions and our country can be changed one person, one prayer at a time. God, we're still going to celebrate our freedom tomorrow. We're going to enjoy the things that that holiday tends to bring. But God, my heart is on the liberty that You've given and the freedom that You've given. And Lord, that that You've given me, Lord, there's millions upon millions that need that same freedom that same liberty. God, I pray you'll do a work in our hearts and in our lives. God, touch us today, our church. Well, those that may be listening or watching, I pray, God, that you would move in their hearts. Have your will today in Jesus' name. Amen.